You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Good morning, Dr. History. Take it away, even though you were wrong on your Boston Red Sox. All right. I've got two stories today, if we have time. Okay. They're both kind of short. Okay. First one is about a steamboat. Uh, This steamboat, this was in 1851, and this was a side wheeler, and it was called the New World. Mm -hmm. And the New World uh, actually uh, was over in the Sacramento docks, and it completed the trip from San Francisco along the Sacramento River in five hours and 35 minutes, and this time was absolutely amazing because the other steamboats usually took about 14 hours to complete this trip. So time was money, and so the steamboats that were the fastest made the most money. Mm-hmm. Now this steamboat, like I say, the name, it was called the New World, and it had just arrived from, it took a year-long journey from New York around Cape Horn, out down South America, and it was originally designed for luxury cruises up and down the Hudson River. But the, st- the, the boat had been kind of stolen by her captain, a guy by the name of Wakeman. And uh, he heard about the gold prospects, uh, you know, in the gold fields. And uh, according to uh, this guy, Wakeman, uh, uh, the, the guy that built the boat was on default uh, on money. Uh, he didn't have the money to pay it off. and. Anyway, uh, this Wakeman, uh, the ship, the boat was uh, boarded by a sheriff and a crew of deputies with orders to keep the boat from sailing. But early one morning in 1850, this Captain Wakeman managed to slip this beautiful craft out from under its guard. And with a small but daring group of crew, they started this year-long journey down uh, around South America to up to uh, California. How slow was that boat? <laughs> well, actually, it was fast. So <laughs> it still took a year. Now, anyway, apparently he was able to make good on the money that was owed the backers uh, since his ownership was never really questioned. And for the next 25 years, this uh, boat called the New World churned up and down the Sacramento River under his command. Mm-hmm. Now, this vessel was really a sensation when it got to California. I mean, it had red plush carpeting in the cabins. It had stained glass windows, brass chandeliers, marble top tables. And this Captain Wakeman, he set up a bar and had food that was just amazing. And although there were over a dozen ships already making this run, he stepped into the competition for freight and passengers and between San Francisco and the boom towns of the mining country. So now, one of the favorite things to do back then was to gamble on steamboat races, hmm. and that was a popular pastime. in In gold conscious California, the stakes were always pretty high. I mean, a lot of money riding on these uh, steamboat races. Okay. And sometimes the vessels would ram into each other on bends and try to run each other aground in their efforts to win. And uh, the New World, uh, this this boat, it kind of reigned as queen of the river for about 10 years, never lost a race. 
during that time, and and uh, only seven of her crew were killed. Only, only seven yeah. of the crew. So, well, when I get going here, you'll realize why. Okay. Uh, there was uh, one kind of costly challenge that occurred when uh, a boat called the Secretary. It was kind of a trim little steamboat, but it was no match for for the the New World. Well, it exploded, killing 16 people instantly because uh, uh, several uh, uh, and several others were died from getting scalded. But it was said that the secretary's engineer had tried to increase her speed by ordering the firemen to shovel in coal while he held the safety valve down. Ooh. So he miscalculated the pressure in the boilers and uh, just had one giant explosion. Holy so, buckets. Can you imagine what that must have looked like? Yeah, and that wasn't the only one. There was another one that was called the Page. It was another steamboat, and it challenged the queen of the river, the, the New World. And a, a passenger, probably with a bunch of money riding on the outcome, he became so excited over the inability of his challenger to keep up with the, the New World that he picked up a cask of oil and threw it into the boiler. Well, this increased the speed, <laughs> uh, but it was more vertical than, than horizontal, and uh, this ship erupted in a holocaust of flame and smoke. So, How many people did that kill? Uh, it doesn't say, but it had to wipe out a bunch of people. Now, surely this guy, this stupid man, when he threw the oil in there, did he have any idea that he was soon to meet his maker? <laughs> well, like I say, he had some money riding on that, and uh, evidently, uh, um, yeah, he wasn't thinking ahead. Holy cow. So, but there was another plan to defeat the uh, New World, and it was devised by the captain of a, a boat called the Goliath. Uh-oh. And what he did, he laid in wait until the New World drew alongside, and then he steamed kind of out of, kind of like an ambush. And he intended to ram the, the, the New World. Well, Captain Wakeman, uh, he was desperate and angry, and he snatched up a pistol, and he opened fire on the pilot house of the other boat, and uh, meanwhile, he urged his boiler men to, to do all they could to get things going, and pretty soon you got a gun duel going off uh, between both boats, and officers of both steamboats and some of the passengers, some of them miners on their way to the city took part. They were shooting back and forth, and but the New World, it was the fastest, it eventually just got way out in front. Now, may I suggest, may I interrupt with a suggestion that perhaps, just perhaps, they didn't have too many rules with these races? Well, I, I got another one for you. Uh-oh. Okay, the, the skipper of, a, of another uh, high, high-wheeled uh, steamboat called the Nevada, uh, it became a victim, too. It was racing down the river. Well, the Nevada, uh, they were racing against the New World, and it veered sharply from her course and attempted to ram the New World. Well, what it did, it was the impact left the, the Nevada kind of pinned against the New World, and so Captain Wakeman just kind of maneuvered his boat uh, and pushed the Nevada onto a convenient uh, mud bank and left her stranded there. Hmm. So, now, so how fast years, could these boats go, by the way? You know, I don't know how fast they would actually go. Um, that's a good question. So they're they're a precursor to our burly regatta. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Probably not as no- well. It could be as noisy. I don't know. But anyway, for about ten years, this Captain Wakeman, he was the the pride of the of the river, and he had the fastest side wheeler uh, on the Sacramento River, and 
But of course, like everything, eventually somebody comes along and there was another more elegant, bigger, faster ship that came along called the Chrysopolis. And it clipped a full 30 minutes off the best time that the New World could do. And anyway, the uh, it was kind of a has-been and eventually was dismantled and sold as junk. Oh, my so, goodness sakes. Well, whatever uh, happened to the sharpshooting captain? <laughs> <laughs> I think he got a job somewhere else. <laughs> So, <clears throat> now I got another story for you. All right, I've got I've got uh, ten minutes. Okay, yeah, this one is uh, uh, kind of an interesting one, I think. Anyway, um, but we're going to totally change uh, gears here. Okay. Uh, not long after the turn of the century, there was a guy by the name of Pick Ward, and he was a big old reckless, powerful kid in his late teens, so not very old. And this happened up along the Salmon River country of Idaho. And this is where he'd lived. He and his older brother, uh, they would, oftentimes they would contract with sheep ranchers to pack supplies back into the summer mountain range for the herders. Mm -hmm. So on one of these trips, uh, the first of the season, they were obliged to contend with the string of barely broke pack mules. That, And you know this, they seem to have forgotten uh, during the long winter what they had learned the previous summer. Mm -hmm. And so they had a pack string of six of these ornery uh, animals. <laughs> uh, but it was about noon on the second day's journey out of Riggins. Well, the mules were loaded heavy, and they were climbing uh, on the south fork of the salmon. And this was, you know, if you've ever been in there, that's some pretty pretty wild, steep country back mm -hmm. there. Well, the pack string had been troublesome all morning, and the trail became narrow and steep. And so to better handle the mules uh, over this rough spot, uh, Pick Ward got off his horse to lead the string on foot. Now his brother, riding up in front, took the reins of his horse and, and went on ahead. So, so Pick is climbing along, pulling the lead rope, well, coaxing the, the string up the mountainside. And there was a level stretch of the thin trail, and the lead mule kind of became uneasy because of Pick's spurs. So... Uh, the nervous animal would stop every few yards and sit back on the rope, and, and of course the other mules would stop too and bunch up and one thing or another. But anyway, with the heavy loads and the trail, it was it was kind of touch and go uh, if they would hold their footing. So, so the next time the lead mule stopped, Old Pick did something that probably wasn't real smart. Uh, he knelt down to unbuckle his spurs right in the middle of the trail with his back to the lead mule. Not good. Not good. Uh, now, uh, number six mule, the last member in the string, was kind of a short-legged uh, iron-gray mule and uh, probably the honoriest of the bunch. Well, he'd been given the end position mainly because uh, he was a kicker. Mm -hmm. so he was in the rear. Oh, boy. Well, so here's Pick kneeling down, removing his spurs at the head of the string of the... Well, the, the number six mule at the rear chose that particular time to try out a new scheme to sabotage this whole operation. So... He sank his big old yellow teeth into the rump of mule number five. Why do I think that I know the answer and result to this problem? Well, mule number five isn't real pleased with this. <laughs> so he jumps into mule number four. This is a domino game. <laughs> well, and then into number three. Uh -huh. Number three was forced hard into the rump of number two, which in turn smashed into number one. Yes. Well, <laughs> Now, to his credit, to the credit of the lead mule, uh, he made a valiant effort to avoid trampling good old Pick, who's kneeling down. <laughs> well, there's only one direction to go, so he went straight ahead and jumped over Pick. 
Hmm. Now, unfortunately, uh, as the lead mule jumped, the rope that was holding him to number two stopped him in midair. He came down right on top of Pick. Yeah. Okay, so Pick is between the front legs and the back legs, kneeling down. This doesn't sound good to me at all. <laughs> well, he gets better. <laughs> uh, so here he is, between the front and back legs, well, finding himself underneath the, the belly of this uh, frantic mule. Pick jumped the only way he could, and that was off the downside of the trail. Now, this isn't well, good he either. came out from under the animal. He yeah. tried to prevent a bad fall by grabbing the rigging, uh, the pack rigging of the mule. Yeah. Well, his weight on the overloaded pack mule made it impossible for the mule to keep the trail. So with Pick clutching desperately to two steel rings on the pack saddle, the mule rolled off with Pick on the underside. Now, at this point, Pick's back and shoulders hit a patch of soft slide dirt. The weight of the fully packed mule was now across his body, mm. rolling. Mm-hmm. Now, Pick thought that this would probably crush him, but uh, at this point, you now have a, a mass of rolling mules, gear, ropes, going down, uh, and several times he opened his eyes to see hooves crashing near his face and his body, uh, ripped holes in his jacket. Um, uh, anyway, the turmoil of mad pack mules rolled around him and thrashed its way for another hundred yards down until they finally came into a little swale. Now, do you suppose at this point of the story that mule number six was possibly a little remorseful for him biting mule number five? <laughs> I think I think he could have been, yeah. Now, the amazing thing is Pick only had a few minor bruises. He, his, torn were, his clothes were torn, and, uh, and it took pretty much the rest of the day to get the spooked mules kind of untangled, repair the riggings, uh, salvage what supplies they could. And, you know, for some reason, Pick didn't do too much of the work. He just kind of sat there on the trail contemplating his near-death experience. Have you ever m- imagined in your wildest dreams that you could be in the middle of <laughs> all this around you trying to kill you and maim you and kick you? <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things that, yeah, he could have been crushed by a mule, he could have been kicked in the head. I mean, there was all kinds of bad possibilities on that. I think at this juncture, though, it would have been fair with the Humane Society of the United States and the ASPCA if Pick would have went and shot mule number six. <laughs> I don't think anybody would have blamed him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, uh, you, my dad and uncles, we, we grew up hunting, and, you know, we have a few stories of horses rolling down mountains. And uh, In fact, my dad was up in Soldier Mountain one time and had a horse that had a half an elk on it rolled so he ran down to try to cut the ropes loose well his first wife of his knife he, knife he came around and slit his wrist open oh oh and uh happened to hit an artery oh my goodness so my uncle comes down and says well what's the matter and he says well i cut my wrist and he says well let me see so he uh, took his hand away and the blood was spurting and he said oh yeah I guess you did <laughs> so they, they went down to I don't know Fairfield or somewhere got him sewed up you know but the thing is when you talk about mules and you talk about the old days uh, many of the stories have been doctored to the point where the verbiage is just so genteel <laughs> yeah 
you know, the darns in the head. You know, probably just flew like crazy. Oh, golly! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it, it, I'm sure it was just a mild uh, comment here and there. Why, that son of a gun! <laughs> yeah, that darn mule number six. <laughs> I loved it. Doc, you never let us down. And even though I'm sorry I took a couple of minutes in the beginning to give away a free ticket, it was well worth the wait to hear about the uh, the shootings on the on the old steamboats and mule number six causing all kinds of heck <laughs> well and i you know i'm sure there's there all kinds of stories about pack trains and, and the mules and you know pretty interesting stuff especially up there in idaho yeah I mean, you know with all the mines you know there's a lot of situations where mule travel was the only way to get some of this really really heavy stuff in there. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I know what to get you from now on for a gift. <laughs> I'm going to bring you something. Hey, God bless you, man. That was Those were two really good stories this morning. Well, I thought they were pretty funny. All right, you go back to uh, what you do for a normal living, and you're a, uh, tell everybody what you do. I don't want to steal your thunder. I'm a chiropractor here in Burley, Idaho, right yes. here on Normal Avenue. Been here for just quite a few years, just enjoy practicing working with my good patients that have been with me for many, many years. Absolutely. Dr. Ken Turner, better known as Dr. History, and uh, I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. God bless. Right. We'll see you next Tuesday. You have a good day. Sir. Oh, thank you. Those were good Bye. stories this morning. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.